All right, Brother David here with a studio recording of James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Brother Gage Kerwin taught this passage in Teen Sunday School class on August 21st while we were out of town. Unfortunately, that lesson was not recorded, but we did want to complete the study of James chapter 1 that we've been doing these last uh, several months. We focused in verses 16 through 21 on receiving God's Word, verses 23 through 25, focus on doing God's Word. Powerful and important portion of Scripture here in James chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 22, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his Deed. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, the truth that it contains, the power, uh, Lord, that is in it. And God, give us open eyes, open ears, open hearts to receive your truth. And Lord, to not be self-deceived. Help us to commit to being doers of the word. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 22 puts the matter in a negative light. Verse 25 in a positive light. Verses 23 and 24 illustrate the truth with uh, the analogy of a mirror. And so we'll cover these verses uh, just as best we can. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Such a scary phrase, deceiving your own selves. My testimony is perhaps like many of yours. I have been privileged to sit under some of the greatest Bible preaching and Bible teaching. Honestly, that there is my entire life. I got serious about serving the Lord under the ministry of Pastor Joel Logan at Sweet Springs Baptist Church in Ardmore, Alabama. I was taught the Bible uh, by Pastor James Knox. I've been here at the Bible Baptist Church in Deland, Florida uh, now for something like 17 years. I have heard incredible Bible preaching and Bible teaching all of my life, and I'm thankful for it. It is, it is an incredible privilege. It is it is it is it has given me an overwhelming advantage in the christian life there is no way to overstate the blessing really that it is to hear god's word from men who believe it and from men who practice it and from men who study it and from men who have been gifted by god to take that truth and present it and explain it and to and to give the sense what a blessing that I've had. And yet, there is a real danger. There is a real danger in sitting in a good church. There is a real danger in having the right Bible and the right music and the right standards. And there's a danger in all of that. And the danger is that we begin to think that we're blessed just because. We have the right Bible, that, that we're spiritual just because we're in the right kind of church, that we're great Christians uh, 
just because of our pastor's walk with God or our pastor's preaching of the word or the fact that we have King James Version on the cover of our Bibles and nothing could be further from the truth. The privileged position that I have puts me perhaps at a greater danger of self-deception. Because the Bible says, if I'm a hearer of the word, but not a doer, there's no blessing in that. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If you think that reading a King James Bible makes you spiritual, you're self-deceived. If you think that going to a Bible-believing church makes you a great Christian, you're self-deceived. If you think having the right upbringing and the right standards and all, all of the right things guarantees anything in your Christian life, you're self-deceived. That's what the Bible says. Verse 21 speaks of the power of the word of God, the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The Bible is a supernatural book with supernatural power. But there is something you have to do for that power to be evidenced in your life. For, for the Bible to make a difference in your life, you've got to do more than hear it. You've got to do more than read it. Now, you've got to do those things, but you cannot stop there. And if you do, you're self-deceived. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, a verse that you should be familiar with, the Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, the word of God is quick. Now that, that word does not mean fast in the Bible. It means alive and it means life-giving. For the word of God is quick and powerful. It's a powerful book. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow and discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We'll return to that verse later on in our study. But uh, the verse causes us to stop and think about the power of God's word, the supernatural, the miracle working, the life-changing power of the Bible. It's incredible. With that in mind, we read verse number two of the same chapter. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. That's a scary verse. The Bible, it's quick and it's powerful, verse 12, but it didn't profit them. Verse 2. Is that true, you? Has that been true of you? Is that ever true of you? Do you ever hear Bible preaching and it doesn't help you? Do you ever hear Bible preaching and your life isn't changed? Do you ever hear Bible preaching and you go on the same? That's a very real possibility. Happens every week. The word preached did not profit them. Look, you can have a King James Bible and be a lousy Christian. You can go to the greatest churches and have a pathetic Christian life. You can be brought up in a right home and the right church with the right Bible and godly parents and a wonderful youth group and you can be an absolute dropout. 
as a Christian. Accomplish nothing for the cause of Jesus Christ. Live a miserable life with all the blessings and advantages of the power of the perfect word of God. The word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now that's scary. It ought to scare us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able, here's the power of the word of God, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I'm glad that I've known the Bible since I was young, that, that by the time I knew anything, I knew how to be saved. Praise God. I have a Timothy testimony. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. The Bible will help your life. In what ways? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The Bible is a perfect book with perfect power. It is a profitable book if you use it to do good works for God. If you're not intent on working for God, if you don't commit yourself to putting it into practice in your life, if you don't take it seriously as more than a gospel track, but a manual for how to live on the earth until you get to heaven, then that prophet will never be realized. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 13, the Bible says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. If we're really Bible believers, that means we believe more than the cover where it says Holy Bible King James Version. That means we believe its contents. And believing its contents means that we put them into practice in our daily life. When the Bible says don't, we trust God enough to not go there, to not do that, to not associate with those people. When the Bible says something we should do, we believe it enough that we actually do it. That's being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So many times we hear preaching and we pretend that it's just the pastor's opinion. We receive it as the word of men, not as in truth the word of God. So oftentimes we hear a message and our hearts are stirred and our, our, our minds are challenged and, 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 and we have an emotional response and maybe even a desire to do uh, the right thing. But we never let it go past that. We hear the word, but we go back to doing the things we always did. And so the Bible doesn't change our lives. Though it has the power to change our lives, we don't let it. We're so often self-deceived. It doesn't have to be that way. And would God renew us in us a desire to allow his word to have its effectual work in our lives? Verses 23 and 24, this, this beautiful illustration. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, a mirror. 
For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now, if you want to if you want a real life example of this, go to Walmart this afternoon. Or any store for that matter. Go out in public at some time and people watch for just a little while. You will see many people who will cause you to wonder do you own a mirror? Did you look in it before you left the house? By what process did you decide that it was okay to go out in public and be seen by people looking like that? You know what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to be overly critical. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to... But you understand the illustration. Have, have you never had that thought? Do those people know what they look like? Did, did, they, did they check a mirror before they left the house? We live in a society that is so, so uh, frumpy and so sloppy and, 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 and really revolting. But oftentimes that pictures our spiritual lives. See, what good is it to do to, to look in a mirror if you're not going to change anything? <laughs> a mirror shows you what's wrong so that you can get it right. A mirror shows you what's out of place so that you can put it in place. A, a, a mirror, you look in a mirror, not so the mirror can tell you that you're the fairest of them all. That's fairy tale stuff. <laughs> you look in a mirror to help you make corrections. You look in a mirror to help you make adjustments you look in a mirror so that you can fix what needs fixing and if you're not going to do anything what's the point looking in a mirror the bible's a mirror if we're not going to do anything what's the point in looking i'm not telling you don't read your bible i'm not telling you don't go to church i'm just telling you you're self-deceived to think it's going to benefit you if you're not going to do anything about what you see Illustration is a very powerful one. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, again, we read it just a moment ago. But the Bible says that that word of God that's quick and powerful, what does it do? It discerns the thoughts and intents of the hearts. You see, when you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. When you look in the mirror of God's word, it shows you what you really are. We we have to consult the Bible because our hearts are so full of pride. We we are self-deceived into thinking we are something that we are not. If any man think of himself to be spiritual, <laughs> if you think you're something when you're nothing, you deceive yourself, Galatians says. And our flesh is so prone to do that. It's important to get in the Word of God because it's like taking a look in the mirror. I didn't know I had that stuff in my teeth. I didn't know my hair was sticking up like that. I didn't know that I, I, I had stuff all over my face left from breakfast. You need to look in a mirror so that you can discern what you're really like. You need to look in God's Word so it can read your heart. Show you that that attitude is improper. Show you that those words should not be used. Show you. That the choices you're making are, are not the right choices. It's a mirror. It shows you what's wrong. 
what's the point in seeing what's wrong if you're not intent on fixing it? Psalm 139, in verse number 23, the psalmist prayed an exemplary prayer. Psalm 139, in verse number 23, the Bible says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist invites God for an inspection. Lord, make a list of the issues in this house. You know a great way to do that? Read the Bible. Listen to preaching. It'll show you what's wrong. In Job 6 and verse 24, Job said something similar. Job 6 and verse 24. Teach me, and I will hold my tongue. And cause me to understand wherein I have erred. Now, James 1, 16 said, don't err. Do not err, my beloved brethren. But we do. And we need God to point it out to us. It's like looking in a mirror. Now, here's the great thing about this illustration and this analogy. Because a mirror not only shows you what's wrong so that you can get it right, you don't just like take that snapshot and then go somewhere else to fix it. You stand and you look in the mirror, and the mirror helps you make the adjustments to bring things in line the way that they should be. You know what I'm talking about? You look in the mirror, it tells you what's wrong, and you stay there in front of the mirror as you adjust, as you fix, as you correct, as you enhance, ladies, (laughs) You add things to enhance your appearance. You, you, t- you remove the things that don't need to, you know what I'm talking about. Now, the Bible does the same thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 says, Now, Lord, is that spirit where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all, verse 18, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of of the Lord. Now, where is a glass that we can behold the glory of God? I'd say that'd be a great description of the Bible, wouldn't you? James 1, 23, 24, the Bible is like a glass. Not only does it show us our failures, our shortcomings, our inadequacies, it shows us the glory of God. And read the rest of the verse. We all, with open face, beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What's the ultimate goal of the Christian life? To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. What's going to help us do that? Look in the glass of God's Word. Look in the mirror of God's Word. Read it. Hear it. Respond to it. As I look into the Bible, it shows me what's wrong. As I look into the Bible, it shows me what I should be. It shows me who I am. It shows me who Jesus is. It helps me become like him. That's the power of the word of God. If I'm willing to take it seriously and put it into practice in my life, if I move past hearing and into doing. James 1 verse number 25 says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. I remember Jesus saying something similar in John 8. If ye continue in my word, 
Then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. A number of interesting things in verse 25. Verse 22 says, doers of the word. Word, with a D on the end. Verse 25 says, but a doer of the work. K on the end. Different words. Very similar. One letter off, but completely different. I think the Holy Spirit did that on purpose. I think every word of God is pure. I think every word and every letter is just as God intended, and and he has an intention for it. I don't think this is a scribal error or a copyist's error. I think there's a truth here. There's a lesson here. To be a doer of the word, verse 22, you must be a doer of the work, verse 25. In order for the Bible to influence your life and affect your life and change your life, you have to work at putting it into practice. You have to you have to use it as a tool, as equipment. 2 Timothy 3:17 to do good works for God. And the Bible says when we do that, this man should be blessed in his deed. In his deed. We've got to learn to put the Bible into practice. It's not just a theology textbook. It's a life manual. It's not just something that the pastor is supposed to study so he can preach sermons. It's something we're supposed to learn so we can know how to please God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. Need not to be ashamed, right, the dividing the word of truth. The Bible says this man should be blessed in his deed. Now, here's what we do. It's a good thing to do. We go to church on Sunday or midweek. And we sit in the pew and we open our Bible and the pastor preaches God's word. What a blessing. And so we're leaving church and the pastor's in the lobby or he's in the foyer and we shake his hand and we thank him for the message and we say, Pastor, that was a real blessing. What we mean is I I, I learned something that helped me, that challenged me. I got something to work on, right? You understand what we're saying. That was a blessing. It's not really accurate. Verse 25 says it's not a blessing when you hear it on Sunday. It's a blessing when you apply it on Monday. It's not a blessing to sit in the pew and hear God's word. Now, you enjoy that. That, 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 that might stir your heart. It, it, but... It doesn't do anything. It, it doesn't make any difference until you choose to do what the Bible said to do and you start to practice God's word and stop making excuses for your disobedience and stop justifying your refusal to line up your life with what the Bible says and order your home according to scriptural principles. The Bible's not going to bless you just by hearing it if you don't do it. But if you do it, it certainly will. So it's not really it's not really the blessing when you hear it. It's really a blessing when you do it. Let's trace that principle through the scripture and run some cross references. Acts chapter number two is the day of Pentecost. Three thousand souls are saved. The Holy Spirit comes down and 
fills the believers who are waiting in the upper room for the promise that Jesus had made, the Father would send the Holy Spirit. And they go out and they, and they preach the gospel and people from all over the world hear the preaching in their own language. The Holy Spirit works this great miracle for the proclamation of the gospel to take place. And we have recorded in Acts chapter 2 Peter's sermon where he preaches the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, he, he presents Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Savior. In verse, 20, in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, what a great sermon. Wow, guys, that really challenged me. Oh, that was such a, no, no that's, that's not what they said. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Preaching demands a response. The word of God demands a response. The reason 3,000 souls were saved on the day of Pentecost is that those who heard the word said, how am I supposed to respond to this? What am I supposed to do about this? How can I do something about the word that I just heard? Is that how we approach preaching? Is that how we go to our, our daily Bible reading time? God, what am I supposed to do about this? Lord, what in my life needs to change? John chapter number 13. John chapter number 13. Christ is speaking to his disciples. This is the eve of his crucifixion. They're in the upper room together. He is just washed their feet. And verse 17, Jesus says to them, if ye know these things. Now, it's great to know what the Bible says. It's great to learn what the Bible says. It's great to be in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church. If ye know these things, and you've got to start there. But the verse continues, happy are ye if you do them, knowing the Bible isn't enough to make you happy. Hearing the Bible isn't enough to make you happy. Having a King James Bible isn't enough to make you happy. If ye know these things, happier ye if ye do them. How happy are you, Christian? How joyful are you, Christian? A lot of saved people, pretty depressed. A lot of saved people spend a lot of time down in the valley. A lot of saved people seem to lack happiness. I wonder if it has anything to do with their refusal to do what the Bible says. In fact, I don't just wonder. According to Jesus, that's exactly what it is. If ye know these things, happier ye if you do them. What does that mean? If you know these things and don't do them, your life is not going to be what it could be. Luke chapter 11. Jesus underscores this again. Luke chapter 11. In verse 27. It came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. So uh, this woman hears Jesus and says, Bless Mary. And that's been going on for 2,000 years. Uh, Christ responds in verse 28, but he said, Yea, rather, 
Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Now, I want to be biblical. I want to be balanced. Mary was an incredible woman. I mean, think about it. God gave her the task of giving birth to and of raising the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The angel came to Mary in Nazareth in Luke chapter 1. Gabriel said, Blessed art thou among women. Thou hast found favor with God. This, this was not a lottery. This was not just random selection. God chose Mary on purpose. There was something about her character that made her special. Now, she's no co-mediatrix. She doesn't deserve worship. Nobody should pray to her. She needed a Savior just like the rest of us, Luke one forty six. But she was a blessed woman, a great godly mother. She followed Jesus. She believed in Jesus. She's in the upper room, Acts chapter 1. You know what Jesus said? As, as blessed as it was to be the mother of Jesus Christ, rather, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God. There, there's no period right there. And, and keep it. You've got to put the Bible into practice in your daily life. You've, you've got to find out what it says and make the choice, no matter how difficult it might be, make the choice to live by it. If the Bible tells you to do something, do it. If the Bible says don't do something, don't do it. Forget all the excuses. Forget all the reasons. Forget what everybody else is doing. Line your life up with the Word of God and see how blessed it will be. Psalm 19. Be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Look into the perfect law of liberty. Continue therein. Be blessed in your deeds. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The perfect law of liberty. This book is complete, no mistakes, entirely pure, and very powerful. Powerful enough to to make a sinner a saved person, to, to, to take you from lost to saved, from child of the devil to child of God, from headed for hell to headed for heaven, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. This book will give you wisdom. Statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Stop right there and think about that. The Bible, way better than material things, material possessions, money and what it can buy. Which do you desire more? Which do you seek after more? It's a convicting thought. More to be desired today than gold, yea, the much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them. There is great reward. There's all these benefits. There's, there's all this power in the word of God, but it's not activated until you keep it, and to keep it means you obey it. You, you, you apply it. You put it into practice. God help us. Psalm 119, in verse number 9. Psalm 119, in verse 
Number nine, the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by hearing or preaching from the word of God? No. Now that's good. It's not enough. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by reading the Bible every single day? Now that's good. It's not enough. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? You mean you can be clean in a dirty world? Absolutely. You mean you can walk through this world undefiled? Absolutely. You mean you can maintain purity in the filth of this decadent society? Absolutely. How? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Just find out what the Bible says and do that. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. Revelation chapter 1. In verse number three, the Bible says this, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Three key ingredients, reading, hearing, and keeping. Reading itself Wonderful, not enough. Important, not enough. Hearing the word of God. Oh, you need to do it every time you can. Three times a week in church. Extra on top of that. Hearing God's word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But you will not be blessed. You will not be happy. You will not have the power of God change your life through the scripture until you add that last ingredient. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear and keep those things which are written therein. The time is at hand. It's high time we go past hearing and become doers of the word. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. We'll wrap it up right here. The Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Luke says, and the ruin of that house was great. It came to pass when Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So wise man and the foolish man, you know the story. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The rains came down, the floods came up, and the house on the sand went splat. The house on the rock stood firm. There's only one difference between these two houses. Both men heard the word of God. Both men experienced the storms of life. One man met with destruction and one man met with blessing. The only difference is what they did with the word of God. You see, hearing God's word isn't enough to keep you from being a fool. Reading God's word isn't enough to keep you from being a fool. 
Hearing and reading God's word don't automatically make you wise. You've got to hear these sayings and do them. Verse 24. Oh, God grant that we would have the wisdom to be doers of the word. I don't want to be self-deceived. Deception's a horrible thing. Nobody likes to be tricked. Nobody likes to be deceived. Nobody likes for somebody to lie to them, make them believe something that's not true, but we do it to ourselves. When we don't take God's word seriously enough. Powerful verses in the word of God, and may the Lord help us put them into practice. Amen.